It's the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. A fine pair brought to you by Shane Holmes. Paired homes that keep your neighbor's noise on their side. It is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. I'm Shauna. Beckler is still away. He's in Phoenix. Looks like he's having a great time, relaxing. It's funny, though, because right before he left, he was a little bit mad that the temperature here was going to be so mild. It's been like plus five, plus six. It was like plus nine the other day. And he looked at that and he was like, well, damn, you know, we picked this time to go away to seek refuge from the cold, not the warmth. And I know it is so funny. I kind of am that way, too. Like when you go away, you want it to be the coldest damn weather. So you can be like, see you later, which is selfish, obviously, for everybody else who's stuck back home. But still, it's kind of what we all want. You know, especially in Canada, right? This is the time of year where normally it's absolutely frigid and you want to escape from it. Anyway, still looks like he's having a great time. I'm sure he is. Uh, On this radio program today, we, of course, have a heritage moment uh, as it is Wednesday. This one is super cool. It's about this punk house that used to exist in Calgary. We actually had some people messaging in who had been to this house. It is damn cool. So I know a lot of the times these maybe are local, and if you're not local, you're like, man, I don't care about the heritage moments. This is just really cool because it's both a punk scene, and uh, it works kind of internationally as well. So we'll get to that. Got some hilarious small-town news stories, some of the most mundane I've seen, and these made headlines in small towns, so we'll get to that. Talk about another thing that you simply can't look cool doing, okay? We've talked about a few of these recently. The psychology of what you wear. Uh, This might benefit you if you're looking to look a certain way for maybe a job interview or something like that, so we'll get to that. Learn the etymology of cockpit. This one I thought was super cool as well. And all of that is after your out-of-context clip of the show. So Beckler and I have this new segment called Small Town News, and it's where we find stories from small towns that you just wouldn't see in big city newspapers. Small towns are just a little bit different, right? A slower pace of life and things are pretty mundane and those things can make the big headlines because there just isn't a whole lot going on. Uh, Also, we love it when you guys send us small town news stories. So if you ever see a ridiculous small town news story, send it our way. We'd love to we'd love to feature it. But today's small town is uh, inspired by a few stories I came across. One about how a new community rink was being painted and the town was encouraging residents to go out and watch the painting being done, which is thrilling, really. And another story that made headline news about the recycling schedule in a small town. So here we go. Small town news with Beckler and Shauna. The surface of the new outdoor skating rink and pickleball court is being painted today. Residents are invited to come out and literally watch the paint dry. I mean, what else are you doing? A local woman is now offering commissioned paintings of your horses. Cheryl got her to paint her beloved pony soprano and alleges she did a good job. And Olds has changed their recycling bin schedule. That's it. Terry is asking anyone with information on literally anything going on town to contact him. He's, quote, low on beer and bored as Aren't we all, Terry? The Fangler and Shauna Podcast. with Shauna. So I was on a plane this past weekend and I got thinking about the word cockpit, which of course is where the pilot is up in the front of the plane. And uh, I looked into it and it actually comes from the days of cockfighting. Very literally. 
So that is when, you know, people used to pit two roosters against one another to literally fight to the death, which they think probably started in ancient China and is still happening in many places of the world, which is a bit frig to think about as well. But again, the place where the roosters would fight was this little pit in the ground, and they quite literally called that the cockpit, the pit for cocks. Well, from there, the word started being used in the 1700s to refer to basically anywhere where there was combat, uh, especially in the war. And then this spread to the pilots of World War I, referring to their cramped operating quarters in fighter planes as cockpits, as the pits that the roosters fought in were also cramped in places of combat. So that's how that kind of went on to be. It all makes perfect sense when you think about it, but it is really funny now to visualize the pilot of a commercial airline in this literal pit full of roosters. Like now when I hear cockpit, I'm just going to visualize the captain up there with these roosters in there, and it's just a crap show. This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard. Podcast. So yesterday, I was talking about this video I posted on TikTok, and in the video, I mentioned certain places in Canada that even Canadians don't pronounce properly, like Toronto. If you're from Toronto, you tend to leave out that second T. If you're not from there, you'll say Toronto. And then I spoke about how Calgary is one of those places. People not from here will say Calgary rather than Calgary. And after I said that, I got a bunch of comments on that video from people claiming to be born and raised Calgarians who were like, no, I pronounce it Calgary. And I was like, am I in the wrong here? It really confused me a little bit. How do you say it? Calgary. Okay, great. I mentioned it to my family and they all thought everybody else was crazy and you were right. Thank you. It started to give me a bit of a complex, but it's fine. Um, There is one place, though, that you brought up, which is hilarious, because this is a place in Canada that I don't think anyone in Canada pronounces correctly. Probably not. So what is the province that you think everybody says wrong? Oh, they all say Quebec. Right. What's it supposed to be? Quebec. Or Quebec, if you're French. Not Quebec, but Quebec or Quebec. Okay, so this is just it, hey? Because I know that it's supposed to be Quebec, and I refuse to say it that way. I will say <laughs> Quebec because I feel like if I say it another way, people are going to be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, no, everybody hears that, and they don't know why they're saying that. It's, what is it about Quebec that makes us all go, see, I just said it the wrong way yeah. knowing that. Because Why do we do that with the poor province of Quebec, but everywhere else we try and get right? Yeah, it's probably the proper way to say it, but not the way anybody does say it. I know. It's so weird to me. Like, when I first moved to Saskatchewan and I said Saskatchewan, I was taught that in schools in Ontario, which is also hilarious because our own schools within our country is teaching the wrong way to say that. There's probably a correct way to say it and just the way that everybody uses it because we're lazy. Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) I learned quite quickly, though, because I was on the radio in Saskatchewan trying to be local and I said (laughs) the province the wrong way. So a bunch of people were like, "Uh, nope. So I learned very quickly. I was like, like, okay, no, yeah. that is not how you say that province. We've learned yeah, our no. lesson. You're going to get hate mail. You want it to be for something real. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> not the not the fact that I don't know how to say a province in our own country. Uh, but yeah, Quebec is the one. And it it's funny. No, if, if somebody mm-hmm. says Quebec the right way, though, even to me, even though I know it's the correct way, I'll look at them and be like, okay, you need to get your head out of your own ass. And I don't know why I think that. <laughs> Yeah, Quebec is, is how you'd say it in French, but for, for Anglos, mm-hmm. it's just Quebec. 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 Okay, so not Quebec. No. And then there's the people who say Quebec. 
said that. I have no idea where they're from. Yeah, that my a friend of mine <laughs> named Boobs. She says it that way. God bless her, though, because I think she also used to pronounce Paschetti for spaghetti <laughs> up until probably her 20s. So, I mean, she's she's just she's still learning. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. A Calgary Heritage moment. In the late 80s, Calgary became fairly notorious for their punk scene. At the time, punk was still fairly underground in the city, but a specific hangout put Calgary on the map, a punk house known as the Calgary Manor. The house was featured in the documentary Another State of Mind, a film documenting the band's social distortion and youth brigade as they embarked on a crazy North American tour on a decrepit school bus. The bands were extremely young at the time, but they made a stop in Calgary where they actually stayed at the Calgary Manor. The documentary shows social distortion arriving at the doorstep at the Calgary Manor, only to be invited in by a punk who says, Welcome to Calgary Manor. Come in and have some chili. And sure enough, the band did. This house was a place of legends where self-proclaimed outcasts would stay, make meals together, and live the punk lifestyle to its core. The living room of the banner would host massive shows, and outside the house was a half-pipe where the punks would spend their days skateboarding. Social Distortion is shown eating in the kitchen with Calgarians in this documentary, and they speak extremely fondly of the kids in Calgary at the time. The kids around here are great. I mean, this, this house is great. They've given us, made us dinner, skateboard ramp outside. Kids are just really cool out here. Like all the comforts of home. Yeah, it's like the best city we've been to all uh, as far. As far as the go, yeah. As far as the kids, yeah. The Calgary Manor was truly a place of legend. Anyone was welcome. Chili was constantly cooking in the kitchen. There was even a pop vending machine in the manor that spit out cans of beer for a dollar. Punk bands from all over would stop to perform at any time of day. The whereabouts of this house now is somewhat of a mystery, however. Some say it was purchased by a rich family, renovated, and actually moved from its original location elsewhere in the city. Others say it's long since been abandoned and is only a shell of its former persona. Either way, the Calgary Manor is, to this day, one of the most well-known punk houses in the world. In fact, if you Google punk house, it's listed in notable examples, alongside such houses as the Ashtray in California, Die Slaughterhouse in Georgia, and the Rat Palace in Vancouver. This has been a Calgary Heritage Moment. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. After I aired that, uh, I got a message from Brett. And he says, so I'm dating myself. I met Social D and skateboarded there. I also saw Hole at CBGB's back in the day. Calgary was cooler. He also said, shout out to the Bronx in Edmonton as well. I saw Nirvana there with a quote-unquote packed house of about 14 people. It was about a month before Nevermind hit it big. Alberta had so many amazing shows. That is unbelievable. 14 people. Can you imagine seeing Nirvana right before Nevermind in a venue with 14 other people? Holy hell. Uh, Brett said that Kurt played the majority of the show laying on his back. He was so stoned as well. Oh, man. I have to be honest with you. I do kind of envy people who were in the peak of the grunge era. Like, I was just too young to be able to enjoy Nirvana in their heyday and all the grunge artists from Seattle. And damn, I think that would have been amazing. Ugh. Also, uh, seeing the, the shows that happened at that manor, like, I would kill... Can we make that happen again? Can we have a new Calgary Manor, please? Somebody start this up. What do we need to do? Let's make the station its own Calgary Manor, please. It's so awesome.
Podcast. You talked before about things that happen when you're an adult that you simply can't look cool doing, uh, like getting the wind knocked out of you. You know, if you're a full-grown adult and that happens, at the moment, you immediately feel like you're going to die and you just can't look cool when you're on the ground. You're like, <gasps> I'm dying. Another one, uh, stubbing your toe. We talked about that as well. Okay, well, I have another one for you. My boyfriend and I were killing ourselves talking about the time he was playing in this ball hockey tournament. And uh, he passed the ball to one of his friends, and it went off his stick, and it went right up into his own gonads. So he nutted himself. And then he went down into the fetal position and immediately started yelling, Don't look at me! Don't look at me! Now... And don't get me wrong, I know I'm a girl, so I do not understand the full feeling of getting sacked, but this whole scenario, okay, a grown man who first off is playing ball hockey with one of those big bright orange balls, okay, he then nuts himself with the ball, and then he goes down hard and just starts screaming, don't look at me! It's just not the most manly of situations, okay? But then again, uh, we come back to this being one of those things that no matter how you react, you just can't look cool doing. If you get hit in the bait and tackle, you're going down. It's not going to be pretty. And even if you're a grown man and the toughest man in the world, you are going to react. Maybe not quite, don't look at me, but it's still going to be awful. You just can't look cool doing it. You can't. He was fine, by the way. Yeah, just after a couple of minutes. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. We got reading about the psychology of clothing recently, and I I find this kind of thing fascinating. There's tons of studies, tons upon tons of studies about this, and I wanted to kind of get through this for you, you know, simplify it a little bit, pass it along. Maybe this will help you on a job interview or something like that. So here's what it says. First of all, if you tuck in your shirt, you make more money than non-tucker inners. Okay, so that's that's a very important one. Tuck in your shirt because it apparently gives you more money, especially when it comes to uh, a server job or something like that. If you tuck in your shirt, it shows you're put together. Apparently, people who tuck in their shirts also have more job happiness and optimism, which I found quite interesting as well. Next one. If you wear red, it's known to increase your heart rate and enable you to lift heavier. I don't know what, maybe you have a job where you have to lift heavy things. This will help you. Uh, You're essentially more aggressive if you wear red, though. And this was proven in a study with wrestling. So those who performed better were wearing the red rather than the blue, for example. And if you wear a suit, it increases your abstract thinking. So psychologists think this is because if you wear the suit, you're psychologically thinking of power. That's what suits give off. And then you you truly think that about yourself as well. So it gives you more confidence in this way. If you want to be perceived, though, as having a higher intelligence and competence in a suit, make sure you add a little flair. This is pretty funny, but there was a study done in the Journal of Consumer Research, and it shows somebody in a suit who has something slightly unique, like a, a red bow tie or maybe red shoes, something like that. Something that's just a little bit off. You know, even some wacky socks shows that people see them as more competent than if you're just in a suit without the little flair. So there you go. Okay, wear the suit, but then have that little bit of flair on it as well. Maybe a little button, maybe a brooch. Wear one of those or some wacky socks. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. So I got thinking about Pete Best recently. Don't ask, I know that's kind of weird, but for those of you who don't know, Pete Best was the drummer for the Beatles immediately before Ringo Starr. He was the Beatles drummer before the Beatles were successful, essentially. And I looked into it. Pete Best has a net worth of $600,000. 
And he just missed out on all the Beatles' fame and success. Like, just missed out on it. And this isn't that strange. Like, basically every band who's become successful has other members that left at one point, right? And it just caught me thinking, like, how would you feel if you were the guy right before that success hit? I remember when we interviewed 21 Pilots, when they first exploded onto the music scene, they actually mentioned a member of the band that was there early on who had since left. And I remember just thinking about that guy and imagining being him. And that was right when the band exploded. So I'm just envisioning this guy who used to be in 21 Pilots. He now gets to sit there and see all the sold out tours and all the success and the money the band is making. And he's probably still in his mom's basement ripping farts into her couch. And he's like, oh, damn. I've made a mistake. I made a big, big mistake. You almost want to reach out to these people. I thought it would be amazing to to start a podcast with those members of the bands, the Pete Bests of bands, being like, how are you feeling? You know, maybe even offer them some psychological help because I'm sure it would be tough to sit there again, ripping farts, being like, I could be very rich right now. I could be. And instead, I'm on this stained-ass couch in my mom's basement. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. Hey, hey, what did you learn today? So I don't know if you know what a hypnic jerk is, but it's this involuntary twitch of one of your muscles, and it happens when you're trying to fall asleep, or a bunch of your muscles, in fact. So what happens is, as you start to doze off, your body kind of jerks you back awake, and sometimes you get this sensation that you're falling as well. And I know this very well because I get these hypnic jerks a lot. Uh, And it's not really good because normally it's onset by sleep deprivation. So what happens when I get that sleep-deprived, and I hate to say it, probably couple times a week actually but I'll try and nap and then I won't be able to because every time I try and sleep I'll kind of just doze off and then I jerk back awake and I'm like holy crap Um, but I was told that the reason we as humans have these hypnic jerks is to help us fend off predators basically it's your body saying there's danger around so you need to stay awake and that's what I learned and that's why we have this kind of hypnic jerk a reaction to when we fall asleep. But I read further into this recently, and that's actually not the case. So the hypnic jerk comes from our evolution from tree-dwelling primates. So as primates, we used to sleep in trees, and the brain misinterprets this sudden relaxation as a sign that we're falling out of a tree. That's why we evolutionarily kind of developed this hypnic jerk is because it's our body's way of protecting us from falling out of the tree. It'll wake us up before we do. So there you go. That's hilarious to me. I don't know if it still works that way. Like if I were to fall asleep in a tree, would I would I wake up before I, I fell out of said tree? I don't know, but now I want to try it out. The and Shana podcast. You know what I find really funny? When somebody says to you, have a safe flight, like you're going on a plane and somebody says that to you, I always laugh because I'm like, it's not like I'm driving the plane. Like if somebody says drive safe, it's like, thank you, as I am the one driving. So I thank you for your well wishes. I will do my best not to drive off the road. But then we all tend to mirror that same sentiment when somebody is on a flight. But really, it's like, well, I've got nothing to do with it. I mean, I, I can pass it along to the pilot. Maybe I'll tell the flight attendants, hey, by the way, uh, my friend says to the pilot to have a safe flight. Okay, is that good? Or, But honestly, it, it has nothing to do with me. Really, when somebody gets on a plane, everybody should just say, oh, just relax and let Jesus take the wheel. That would make more sense. I'd be like, you're right. I should. Just relax. Close my eyes and let Jesus take it. The and Shauna podcast. So I was out snowboarding at Sunfi- Sunshine Village rather the other day, and uh, I forgot my park pass because I'm an idiot. 
So sure as hell, at the end of the day, I'm walking back to my car and I see tickets on a bunch of windshields and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I forgot mine. I'm going to get a ticket. And then I get to my car and sure as heck, there's a ticket on the windshield. So I pick it up and I look at it and guess what? It wasn't a ticket. It was only a warning. It was a warning to go get a park pass, not a ticket. So it's not often that we have anything positive to say about authority who gives out tickets, but this is kind of awesome. This was just a nice reminder from the park to buy this park pass, but not to penalize me for forgetting to display it. So I kind of think that they deserve a bit of kudos for that. So another nice thing about the park that I've, I've realized, even if you do get a ticket, the ticket is only for the amount that it costs you to stop at the gate and get a pass anyway. Unlike parking tickets where you forget to pay the $5 for the hour worth of parking and you get charged $65, then if you forget that, then it goes to 90 and then 700 and then you owe park plus thousands and that's how it goes. So honestly, I think that this is just lovely. Now, I have a theory and I think it's the reason the park is so lenient is because they don't want tourists to have a bad time, right? Tourism is obviously Banff's biggest moneymaker, so they don't want some tourists coming to the park, getting this outrageous ticket for not buying a pass, and then it ruins their time, and they never want to come back. Either way, though, I do want to give Banff National Park a little bit of a kudos for this because I feel like you're a lot, you're a lot nicer to us, even if it's because the tourists don't care, okay? Now, maybe... Okay, maybe you could get Park Plus to follow suit. You've been listening to the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Paired homes that keep your neighbor's noise on their side. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative. X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have Beckler and Shauna downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later.